Nice ship. The wall panels. I see you tried to simulate the wood of the tuli tree. Classy. Listen, I know why you hated me. I hunted creatures our people considered sacred, but I didn't choose that path. The Emerald Chain forced me to hunt them to pay for their protection. I couldn't fight back. I lost you because I was weak. Now I see that same weakness in you. It's no weakness to trust someone you love, Dad. It's strength. Even still, she will pick Starfleet over you, over Quajon every time. And one day, you'll be the one who has to choose. I'm your host, Notch Garnick, and with me, screaming as we slowly disintegrate into the void, are Adam Bowen, Emily Bowen Marlar, and Bill Boy One. Welcome to Strange New Takes, where we're reviewing episodes in the strange new era of Star Trek. Today, we're covering the sixth episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Discovery, Stormy Weather. I feel like I need like a porn based rope after that. You know, unfortunately, Donald Trump has ruined the name Stormy. The word stormy for all of us. I didn't even think of that, Not. <laughs> yeah, I, I've done my done my best to just like forget all of those things. <laughs> it's the before times, leave it over there. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah, so uh, make sure to follow us on social media. Uh, that's at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, tell all of your friends about the podcast and uh, see if you can secure that five-star rating uh for us while you're doing that because it it's just a really good ego boost when people give me a five-star rating (laughs) and as always we will totally spoil this episode so if you haven't seen stormy weather maybe pause this podcast go watch the episode then come back and then know that we'll spoil all of star trek while we're at it because we just love star trek and so we talk about all different kinds of star trek as we do it it's going to be a long podcast. We're spoiling the whole thing. <laughs> all, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all, all uh, 750 hours or whatever of Star Trek that there are. <laughs> all right. Well, we always start our episodes with our strange new takes. So Cruz got a strange new take for me. Um, so <clears throat> my family uh, watched the Festivus episode of Seinfeld for the holidays and my uh i was thinking about you know the airing of the grievances and i have many you guys i have many i saw you pull out your notepad the the one i'll mention here is is what's happened to the apostrophe the the poor apostrophe has just (laughs) endured a lot you guys we need to cut it out and just treat the apostrophe with some some respect that i think it reserves Deserves, excuse me. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, mean, I guess if it didn't exist anymore, then then we can't abuse it, and uh, there's no reason for me to correct anybody anymore. But I don't yeah, know. well, I mean that's part of the issue. <laughs> um, is that 
Well, I won't get into it. <laughs> <laughs> we need to see. Okay, we have to cover all the rest of Star Trek. We, we yeah, don't right. have a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next week I can just rant about the apostrophe for like 45 minutes. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, you know, this episode, I, th- I thought it was like, you know, uh, pretty fun, like classic, almost like TNG feeling um premise you know kind of classic sci-fi premise mm-hmm. that was pretty cool um there was there was a lot that went on and i i wonder if it was almost too much um from a plot perspective but i guess we'll get into that more but i, I liked it i thought it was strong that seems pretty par for the course for the discovery though is uh, it's just like gotta pack every single uh sentence that anyone is saying the whole time <laughs> yeah <laughs> <clears throat> so i had a I have a, a, a bottle of hand lotion on my desk I have one at my work desk I have one at various places in the house it's just I have very dry skin that's used to humidity and I don't live in a very humid place anymore and recently Target got rid of the lotion I've been using for six seven years and forced me to buy a vino and then I realized Avino was really good. All of my like problems with my hands went away. <laughs> so like I've been like, oh wow, this this stuff works. It's like twice the price, but at least it like makes my hands softer and feel very nice. A little oilier, but it's fine. So I guess you know sometimes buy a different product. You know, change up your life. Like you know, you're buying whole milk, buy almond milk. I don't know, change things up. See what happens. You might enjoy uh, the new experience that you have. By the way, now it's time for me to take a second in the middle of this podcast to tell you a lot about my backstory, why I'm here. I I want you to understand me in a bigger way in the middle of this recording, because I think it's important that we spend about 10 minutes on that, because that's the most important thing we can do right now. Um... Yeah. What's are you are you really uh, like Leonard Nimoy's adopted nephew or something? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, There's I gotta know, be some reason we're listening to this. <laughs> I mean, I mean, y'all are just lucky that I've like hosted this podcast so more so much. If I was like, if we had background characters in our podcast, I would actually take ten minutes to explain my backstory right now <laughs> in this important moment because that's the way things go on this show sometimes. Also, I like the oh. episode. Are you talking about Owo? I was oh, like, yeah. well, when I grew up on the <laughs> and re- just straight exposition, just right. like 100. Yeah. percent Well, also the previous episode, Reese, yes. right before they're blowing up the pl- the, the, the the she's gonna go, Burnham's about to go into the prison to like do this thing. There's a time pressure and everything. No, it's really important right now that I tell you this detailed story about natural disasters in my hometown. This is the best time to do it. <laughs> Also, we've got a cat on the on screen. Adam is not a cat person, I don't think. So the fact that she just settled down, Hermione. She can tell that I'm allergic and (laughs) just has her tail shoved up right up into my face. Hermione. And and is uh, having to negotiate cords around here so they just pull it out. She'll settle in a second and then it'll be fine. Anyway, okay. Sorry about that little diversion (laughs) from our podcast. (laughs) Okay, so I'll probably totally embarrass Bill by my strange new take, but it's actually my husband's fault. So when we all played our um, RPG the first time and Travis actually got to see what you all look like because he's heard all your voices on our um on our podcast before 
<laughs> but wow, this cat's tail is pretty crazy at the moment. Sorry, yeah. fellow, or sorry, listeners, that you have no idea what's happening. Here, I'm there's just a tail this. swishing in Emily and Adam's Zoom screen. They're in the same oh, room, and there's a tail there. Okay, we're good. Okay, now Bill's like, what was she going to say? No, here you go. So my husband turns and looks at me. He goes, Bill totally looks like Chris Pratt. And now I can't unsee it. And so the whole time Bill was sharing his strange new take, I was looking at him like, he does look like Chris Pratt. But, but Travis is surprised because apparently I don't have a Chris Pratt voice. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't, you know, it's funny. I can't even think of what Chris Pratt, oh wait, now I'm thinking of Parks and Rec and I can remember what he sounds yeah. like in Parks and I, Rec. I mean, but. well, the, the thing that we need to see though is uh, when the when the Super Mario movie comes out, uh, maybe the Chris Pratt voice that he will do for Mario is just Bill's voice. <laughs> Oh, uh, that might is, be. we're gonna see. We're gonna see. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's just the angle that you, because you aren't looking straight on at the at the camera right now, Bill. So just you've got the little side kind of look, and I think it's just very Chris Prattish, apparently. So yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, there's my strange new take for life, um, and my strange new take for the episode is um, what was with the weird transitions at the beginning of the episode, like. I was like, I turned to Adam. I go, are we watching Star Wars? Like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like, that, was, yeah. And that was the only part of the episode that had those, I think. But it was. Really I don't. Strange. Yeah, I don't remember them very, very much. Except, yeah, they, they just wanted to show like a bit of a montage scene at the beginning or something. But um, yeah, it was a little bit bizarre. Um, oh, I guess we're we're a little bit on the loud side. <laughs> Um, but so, yeah, I, uh, for my strange new take, uh, I think, um, yeah, I, I think if you want to watch a Christmas movie for, uh, for Christmas, you should make sure to plan ahead of time that you're going to do that. Uh, cause I think we, uh, we, we only successfully watched something that was related to Christmas. Well, I guess we watched a, there's like a little choir thing that, uh, happened oh, yeah, in the morning and then, um, there was a uh, a Christmas uh, 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 a short from uh, Apple TV that we watched uh, from uh, uh, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Uh, it was only five minutes, but uh, that we managed to do that on Christmas Day, so we we successfully Christmased, <laughs> uh, and I'm proud of us. Yep. Um, but next time, maybe uh, plan it ahead of time. So for or don't let Dad and Nate dictate what we watch. That's yeah, probably. yeah, it's just gonna be uh, completely <laughs> random movies. Um, for the, uh, for the episode itself, um, I guess, uh, I, my mind is blank, uh, just like the void in space, uh, that they were inside. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe that, maybe that's my take. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, we'll, we'll try to send you sonar pings, one ping only, uh, and try to guide you into having some opinions. Uh, in, in, in the rest of this podcast, Adam. Well, again, to recap, we are discussing the sixth episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Discovery. It first aired 23rd December 2021. Its name is Stormy Weather. It was written by Annie Cafell Saunders and Brandon Schultz. I'm certain I've read the name Annie Cafell Saunders before, so this is at least one writer who has written a previous episode, if not uh, Brandon. Um, and then it was directed by everybody's favorite, Jonathan Frakes. Hey, hey, welcome back. And if I should say so, uh, well done, Jonathan Frakes. The man never misses. 
I think. Uh, so, good for him. And yeah, Annika Fell Saunders wrote the second episode of Anomaly along with Glenice Mullins. So, and I haven't seen this Brandon person turn up in the writing credits so far for this, uh, for this season. So, all right. Here's the episode summary for Memory Alpha. Seeking answers. The USS Discovery ventures into a subspace rift created by the dark matter anomaly. Meanwhile, Book faces a strange visitor from his past. It's kind of like, you know, the, the beginning of that meanwhile book faces, it's like the, the music changes in the background and becomes kind of like funny, like music. And it's like, meanwhile, book faces a strange visitor from his past and you won't believe the hijinks they get up to. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, um, we always start discussing story and writing through the plots. I think there there's really only one big plot here, but I guess because of the, the episode summary, we can discuss book a little bit later uh, or, or individually but really the plot here is discovery finds its way into a void in space we've seen this in voyager for example explicitly called out by siru but mm-hmm. voyager has an episode called the void it, as part of its its run um in that episode there were multiple ships stuck in a void with voyager but um kind of interesting um to to kind of take something of a retread plot almost but uh, like bill was saying a very old school star trek plot yeah uh, and i i've now remembered what my what my take was going to be but <laughs> but i think it's it's relevant for what we're talking about uh because uh we had a moment where we realized like hey we're gonna do a podcast uh and we still haven't watched the episode <laughs> uh and so uh last night we ended up uh watching it but we uh, a couple of people in our family haven't caught up with the current episode of Discovery, so we want we didn't want them to be spoiled. But on reflection, I don't know. I think this is a pretty standalone episode because of, um, like, I guess it, it's in that void, and kind of the rest of the series doesn't affect too much. Like, we don't even. Um, I guess there was a moment where I thought, like, I, I had a, a tiny inkling of, like, are we really going to kill Burnham right now? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know, but, I but other than Jenny that, was definitely like, yeah, <laughs> other than that, we, we were, um, it just, uh, there wasn't, uh, there weren't a lot of references to things that would have spoiled anyone if they were watching even like, uh, just on in the middle of season two or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I guess they'd wonder why everyone's uniforms were strange, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was interesting how, just how, uh, standalone and separated from the rest of the series this episode was. Which is funny because it's part of the much larger anomaly plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. theoretically, this, this one should be more um, story arc, but it's not. I kind of I'm appreciating that about the last several episodes, how they are part of a bigger story arc, but they're they also feel like standalone episodes. Mm-hmm. Like you know the the story that's being told in that particular episode wraps up. Uh, pretty well so I don't I'm just appreciating that because I, I I do like to have threads that tie things over I like for things that happen to characters to affect them from that point on you know and not mm-hmm. just like you know the way Picard wasn't affected by the Borg again until first contact but you know I mean so it's it's I like this way of doing Star Trek is having those things actually affect the future yeah I, I just agree 100% for me and reasonable people could disagree about this. It's kind of personal preference, but the past three episodes have kind of been the sweet spot for me in terms of how monster of the week versus serialized they are. 
and they kind of advance the plot and tie into the, but also kind of are self-contained in a really nice way. Um, but sorry, what I'm going <clears> to <throat> just take us off course for 20 seconds here. So I have another grievance and it relates to what you were just talking about, Emily. It, so do you guys remember in the first, like first season of discovery, probably like in the first few episodes, they like, showed us that Saru is like some linguistic genius. Like he speaks like 76 languages oh, or yeah. something. And then just never, you know, it's like when we found out that Jordy could um, like tell when you're lying. <clears throat> oh, Do you guys remember that? Because of his, his visor, visor, he can like, and then they just never mentioned it again. Like <laughs> <laughs> They just Deanna let Troy do that. Yeah, right, I was yeah. gonna say she right. wouldn't have anything to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she 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 can tell you're lying because she feels pain. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I think something I want to broach early, just going into this discussion in more details, also that one of the other things b- besides the 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 nature of the plot that y'all have been talking about. One of the other things that I enjoyed about this episode is that it seemed like a complete package character-wise. It felt like the whole ensemble was invested. None of them had like frivolous crap that they were doing. Starbuck wasn't off like playing the piano. Um, Gray was actually like talking to Zora. And that was yeah. th- that's the best use of Gray I've seen so far. I'm yes. really excited I'm about that dynamic. Agree. Um, yeah. And maybe we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail down the way when we get to Zora. But like you had every member of the ensemble engaged in some way. Even Dr. Pollard had a scene of running over and, and you know, uh, and it was it was I feel like the action also flowed really well throughout the episode. Um, I think I, I have do have a couple of little issues with towards the end. But I mean, that's, you know, that's just nitpicking. Mm-hmm. Um, about about the final scene with Burnham and the ship burning up, I, I just thought that was that dragged a little bit, and I was like, "Why is this even here? Why? Did, what?" But anyway, point is, we got to see everybody doing something, and I really enjoyed that. Yeah, th- th- there was a, a moment uh, early on when uh, we were starting to wonder if, like, is Stamets not in this episode actually? Because <laughs> they they reference him several times at the beginning, and then we just. We, we don't even hear him reply to them. It's just sort of like a, oh, tell Stamets this. And like, oh, Stamets said this thing. But uh, so you're like, oh, the actor must have had COVID this week. No, yeah. but, but he didn't because he was in the episode. But yeah, it's um, and then books down there helping out. So we get mm-hmm. to see a, a scene where books plugged into the mycelial network. It was just um, there's a there's a lot of like. I feel like this episode really just brought all the disparate pieces of discovery, shoved them together in a beautiful like salad or custard or whatever you want to, whatever mixed dish, chili. I just went, so since you mentioned book being connected to the mycelial network. Mm-hmm. So y'all noticed that his forehead, he got the lights, you know how his forehead yeah. lights up when he's communicating with anyway. So that happened when they showed it the first time it happened. But then when they kind of showed, because they did a, they they showed that again a little bit later in the episode, almost like you were feeling like you were seeing it from Book's perspective, kind of, or or rather than from uh, Stamets watching it happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not notice his forehead light up the second time they showed it. Did that stand out to any of you? Didn't oh. notice. <clears throat> I, I guess I was, I was interpreting that as sort of the... Um, when he had that, like the electrical discharge discharge from the um, from the spore drive, mm-hmm. that that was what was affecting his his lights. But did you never, see the lights both never, times or no? 
because I don't uh, think I well, saw no, him the when, second when he, time. I'm, I'm meaning when the, he activated the spore drive and it and it failed. Mm-hmm. Like that resulted in him having the mm. the lights. But I, yeah, I wasn't paying mm-hmm. too much attention to it otherwise because I also kind of don't understand like what the lights are. Yeah. Is it like when you feel lots of empathy, you you have lights? Um, <laughs> it's it's but, the it's the love signal. Yeah. It's, well, you have to have the lights and then you have to be speaking space Hebrew. And then that's what. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's let's jump into maybe maybe we, we can tackle books uh, side block first and then circle back to talk about talking about discoveries predicament. Mm-hmm. Um, so book starts seeing visions of his dad. And we've you know, we've talked about how book his backstory is kind of it was hinted at a little bit in in last season we never really got anything about it we got Mm -hmm. this like you know guy calling him brother for like five minutes before they blew up the entire planet (laughs) (laughs) and now we have this little pendant and but but now we've got a, a dad a very grumpy angry like awful dad well, and it reminded, because they haven't really talked much about, I, I had forgotten that he came from a family of hunters and went a different path than the rest of his family. I'd completely forgotten that until yeah. they brought it up again in this episode. I was like, oh yeah, he told us that. But Yeah, because it, it, it's kind of hasn't been relevant to the rest of his character besides like, I, I guess it under, like that's how we explain why he's searching for mm-hmm. transworms and like trying to do the opposite of poaching them. Uh, but it's, I, I, I guess I, I don't fully know how I feel about it. I mean, I like that, that this episode is like finally bringing together a lot of like missing plot threads and story points from people's background and like trying to, uh, I guess find a use for them, but it's, uh, it, it, it's, I, I guess for, for me, it feels like a little bit inconsistent almost because I don't understand with how much we have seen of Quajon's culture of like being very in, in tune with the planet and that everyone is all one and whatnot. It's, it seems weird that his dad and that his whole family was like a group of hunters that like likes poaching or things like, but, but maybe that's not, I, I'm a little bit fuzzy as to like what they actually are. Um, maybe we'll get some, some delving into it uh, the next few episodes, but I mean, it's what? not completely intellectually inconsistent to have hunters who love animals that like, you know, there mm-hmm. was there, there, you know, before we became an industrialized kind of meat eating society, there was a great mm-hmm. respect between the hunter and the prey, right? Like as far as human <clears throat> culture is concerned, it's, it's something that like, yes, you know, there's the, and, and hunters do also tend to be conservationists mm-hmm. you know kind of well i i, th- I think what, I, what i'm calling out is I, I think that there were specific references to them being poachers as well mm, um right. but i i might be misremembering but now we did have his father say that um that was something that they were basically forced to do by the emerald chain like it was mm. it wasn't oh, necessarily he right. said something yeah. in one of their interchanges so then it makes you feel like, oh, well, that wasn't really what they chose to do. They were just in a position. Um, yeah, they that, didn't really a, have a choice. That's a know? good catch. I, I, I had forgotten that part of the episode. So Book's dad, Terex, uh, also I believe Book's name, T-E-A-R-E-C-K-X, played by Rutherford Gray, uh, an actor. Uh, I think he did a pretty great job of being very unlikable as a <laughs> <laughs> portraying a very unlikable character. He's been in uh, 
he voiced a character in the, or he played a character in the movie Max Payne. He's had other roles, basically been working, you know, throughout the last maybe 20 years or so in kind of parts here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think I, an interesting addition to the canon, wonder if he'll ever come back. He's presumably dead. So um, he, he's, yeah. he's probably not going to be somebody we see a lot more of. Uh, also, that kind of looks like they cleaned out a door hinge store to make his outfit. Uh, with all the little like uh, hinge looking things on his collars but um, he he managed to give us kind of a strong sense impression of what book's life was like without actually telling us much of anything (laughs) substantive about book's past right like we still don't really know like when did book leave like when was the last time he like what was the breaking point like why is he named book (laughs) Yeah, it, 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 this was not the man from Ohio that was going to give us the the storyline about why his he's named Cleveland Booker. But um, <laughs> I, this is, I, I'm still looking for that one uh, later. Maybe that'll be a fifth season or the series finale. Maybe we'll get it. But um, the I, I I guess yeah, I, I think you're right that it's there, there's it's low on specifics, but at the very least, I get why he uh, wanted to leave this asshole and like not be around him anymore <laughs> and change his name. Uh, so they did they did a good job from that perspective <laughs> but i mean is do you think his the vision of his father is like intellectually consistent with what his father was or do you think this is book's subconscious and his negative emotions manifesting as his father like for example the time his father was like you don't have to take orders from her and like yeah. you know I, talking about all that and we've seen in in at least in parts of the direction that i've noticed that it is being implied that book is feeling a little stifled yeah i I, so if this wasn't tied to the uh, the spore drive haywire uh, going haywire, I would have just said it was a hallucination. But we have previously seen, uh, at the very least, um, Stamets uh, had that issue where he sort of entered entered a weird like fungal multiverse uh, type situation. So I like part of me thinks that this. Uh, even if it's not necessarily exactly his father uh, and like his specific ghost, like we know that the mycelial mm-hmm. network has some sort of connection to death and uh, like being able to talk to people who, who are past. So I, I, I think that this is actually his dad uh, somehow. I, I don't know if we're going to revive his dad and then uh, keep, uh, keep this random asshole around on the, on the bridge of discovery <laughs> for several episodes. Um, but uh, I don't know. Well, I think it was intentionally ambiguous, right? Yeah. Like you're not really, it's not totally clear if it's like his dad's soul or whatever who, that came through the mycelial network or if it's just a straight up hallucination. Well, because there did also seem to be some, not not reconciliation, but some um, maybe modicum of peace trying to be made towards the end of it. Like it, he didn't come across quite as harsh and critical by the end of that part of the story as he did at the beginning. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get more of this story. So I'll, we will see how it kind of pans out towards the end where it's going to lead book. Um, getting, getting back to the, to the main plot though, we basically start out with discovery, moving into the subspace rift created by the anomaly that's where the void is 
And again, I feel like this is, you know, Adam, you've talked about how Discovery gets very excited about science, but now they're actually like doing science. And, sh you know, I appreciated this part where they're like, this doesn't make any sense. And you you're just left with this kind of like mystery from the beginning. Yeah, it's I, I think they're getting a little bit better about um, sort of portraying the the messiness of it all. Like it, it's there, there's mystery. We don't we don't really need to get into it. And we also don't need to overdo all of the I mean, I know there's still plenty of techno babble, but um, it's not I, I don't I don't know. It, it felt like before things were a lot more um, kind of just we're going to get a grab bag of random terms and like toss them into the episode for flavor. Uh, and I, things feel a little bit more, more thought through. And then when they, when they don't fully make sense, we just kind of leave it as a, like, I don't know. It's a mystery. We don't have Balana Torres coming and throwing like 17 sentences of techno babble to explain it. <laughs> All you have to do is say it's science. Right. Yeah, and then we do science, which is a great line from, from Stamets' episode. Either science or math. That's And, you know, yeah. you just have to just throw out that word and then it just takes care of it. The I, I appreciated how they created the source of tension in this episode, though. Like, watching that dot slowly disintegrate was, like, actually kind of painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I guess since we've previously seen that the dots can, like, embody... Well, we I guess we didn't fully know that it was Zora back in season three, but like we know that uh, that the the uh, at least my impression is that that dot is somehow par at least partly sentient, and so like it was screaming because it was in pain. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of a um, it was a great way of of both showing like the continued development of Zora uh, and possibly the dots, uh, while also sort of yeah, it's a the way a way of giving us the red shirt. I mean, I guess we also had the red shirt of yeah, uh, was it Cortez uh, yeah. that uh, just got sucked out. But um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I thought it was a good way of setting things off. And both of those events had consequences later in the episode. It wasn't like, well, the shuttle pilot died. It was a great experience nonetheless for everybody. We're really happy we did that. <laughs> you know, it wasn't quite like that. Like people were upset that things died yeah. and people died. And... Yeah, it was, I also appreciated that there was this constant sense of like, well, the ship's going to get eaten by the void, but there wasn't like a big counter at the top saying, time left, two hours, mm -hmm. every conversation didn't start with, hey, captain, we've got five minutes left or whatever, you know, like it was, it was left to us as the viewers to develop that source of tension and to just know that there, there needs to be some solution to this. And I also think that the actors portrayed that elevated sense of anxiety as time going forward, time moved forward well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess goes back to the fact that Discovery has a very talented ensemble. They should continue using it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess that's what um, makes episodes like this great because it, we, we can lean more on them just being able to like pull out a great performance and it doesn't have to have uh, every single part of it like uh, doing deep references to like these overarching plot lines because like I, I, uh, I'm interested, like I, I believe them when they're talking. Uh, a lot of the time. I don't know if we wanted to go to this next, but I was just, since we were talking about Zora, just kind of uh, brought me back to the use of gray in this episode. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it was just, I felt it was such a better use of his character because 
Cause you, so when you're first seeing Gray and Adira in the lounge or whatever they were calling it, you kind of get this feeling of, oh, you know, what does Gray do? You know, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, he's not in Starfleet. He, you know, but I thought, um, and when, you know, when he first started talking about being, uh, you know, trained to be a guardian, I just thought it was really a beautiful way for him to show that training. Um, yeah. And anyway, I just, I, I really appreciated the way they used him. And I feel like it also allowed Ian Alexander to show a little bit more of, you know, of his range and, yeah, because so, it, yeah. it, it like to, to some extent, um, especially now that Gray has a body, there's been a bit of the problem of, uh, like, I'm uh, my job here is boyfriend. Uh, that that book had a little bit of that uh, last season, and like mm-hmm. now we at least like because it's his planet that exploded, we have the like continual uh, uh, reinvigoration of like there is a purpose for book being here. And now I feel like we can really get into like uh, Gray has a purpose for being here too, and it can be sort of helping uh, Zora develop uh, into a like a fuller being or something like that. Uh, Bridging the the gap between kind of the sentient and the technological, and how do you make sense of something like this? Yeah, and how do you how do you have a emotionally immature being mature? Yeah, well, um, and 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 even there there were some uh, what I I felt were like beautiful metaphor parallels between their experience of like uh where talking about being like overwhelmed uh and not having any sort of any external stimuli of like gray knows all about that like uh yeah. being completely incapable of interacting with the world but still existing um and i i just i i thought i thought it was a it was a perfect way of using his character yeah we'll we'll i guess it's a very good start. And I, I'm curious to see what they do with Grey going forward. Is Grey going to yeah. be just a guardian? Is Grey going to join Starfleet and become part of this crew? Um, there's, there's a lot of different places that they can go from, from here on out. But mm. I think I agree that it's it's just been a, been a great start to it. To a this great, relationship. Great start. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, let's take a break here. We'll come back and start talking about Zora in some more detail. I'm listening. Make it fast. There's a trill game that guardians teach to hosts when they first join to help with sensory confusion. Where does Zora come in? Her internal sensors were overwhelming her. You mean that metaphorically, right? No, it was an emotional response. I was having trouble focusing. I asked if she'd run a full diagnostic. She had. I tested to see if she'd respond to a direct request, and she did. I asked her to play the game with me, and it helped. She registered the problem on deck 17 before it breached the hole. Zora, can you explain this? That's Zora. It is. Hello. To answer your question, Captain, at first I couldn't register any external input. The game helped me settle and focus. I was then able to detect microvariances in my external sensors, as on the hull. Greater focus creates greater awareness. Captain, if we can generate a signal that can penetrate the void, then... Then she should be able to follow it and lead us out of here. Nice work, Gray. I apologize, Captain, but I don't believe that I can do that. All right, welcome back to Strange New Takes. I've just watched a 
a great episode of Star Trek. So great, in fact, that I I didn't stop to take notes. I was just discussing this with my co-host that like I usually take like little notes on my phone while I'm watching. But this one, I was genuinely just engaged throughout. I was kind of invested in the stakes. Um, and w- one of the reasons is, of course, the mystery surrounding Zora. There's, there's just so much kind of, mm-hmm. again, you're just like, where is this going? How did this even happen? Um I still, I, I just need to go back and watch Calypso again so to answer some of these questions. Yeah. But like, d- does Zora have the name Zora at the start of Calypso? I can't remember now. I can't. Like, my, my recollection was that he helped Zora pick the name, but that, that could just be the um, uh, sort of a manufactured memory. Uh, we definitely have to go back and rewatch it. Yeah, and we're, we were watching this episode and sort of thinking like, oh, wait, is this is this the moment? Or are we Are we doing it? Um, I don't think we did. They (laughs) fucked with us big time being like, everyone's going in the pattern buffer. And we were all like, oh, is this it? Is this it? No. What? No. But it could, but, but couldn't it have still been? You know, like we don't know how much time there was between when Zora got out of the, or when the ship got out of the rift and Zora brought the the, crew back. The impression I got was that, that, uh, Burnham never went into the pattern buffer, even though I thought That's that tr- I thought the discu- that the discussion that Zora had with the captain was I like, too. "By the way, Zora, I'm gonna also go in the pattern buffer because this is really hot and it hurts." That's what um, I thought too. But, but instead, th- it seemed to be that uh, Burnham was saying, "Zora, Zora, I am going to burn alive uh, right now." So, uh, and this is what sure I have to because, do. But yeah, because I'm the captain, I'm gonna burn to a crisp. Please make sure to wake up the rest of the crew uh, and tell them that their captain uh, died like a dumbass and uh, didn't just go into the pattern buffer. So, so uh, I just looked up the transcript of Calypso. By the way, it it, it says in the very beginning uh, that Croft uh, asks Zora, "What's your name?" and she says, "Zora, what's yours?" Okay, and that's so. So the, from the very beginning, Zora does already have a name. I think the reason that they can't have done it is because there's cosmetic damage on the ship. And and we mm. clearly see that there isn't in Calypso. Like the ship is intact. So that's true. Um, yeah, but I just enjoy. It. I I bet the writers enjoyed pulling that one over us. But we, we maybe it is. Who knows? I mean, I'm still just very curious. I just again enjoyed Saru and Burnham looking very confused as they realize that Zora has emotions. It just is great. Yeah. What are computers coming alive? What? How do I feel about this? It's the yeah. robot overlords taking over. Well, and I, I, I guess I, I appreciate um, how they've been sort of like slowly, not exactly, but like they've been kind of teasing this over time where um, and calling it out explicitly in this episode is like, I'm not sure if the captain is is comfortable uh, with with how things are. And 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 Burnham sort of says, like, let's not worry. Or, or like, do you tr- mm-hmm. I don't know if the captain trusts me. And she's like, that's not important right now. And it's a, um, I feel like we, Star Trek doesn't always get into all of that nuance of like how someone can sort of be a little bit uncomfortable, but still like the main character. Cause we, we've had a little bit of some people don't treat data like as a human being, but it's, but they're side characters. So it's like, okay for them to be a bit of an asshole. And then like, they can have a revelation at the end, but there's not, um, it, this, I don't know. I, I'm appreciating seeing Burnham be uncomfortable with the with the ship developing some of these mm-hmm. uh, uh, feelings over time and like getting anxious and and whatnot. Um, and I just, I, I I don't know. I just I feel like they're 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 uh, it's working well for me. 
Well, I think it, it goes into the theme of transformation that we've had mm-hmm. in some of the other characters and how their lives are changing. And sometimes, you know, despite the fact that the transformation might be a positive thing, it can still be received in a suspicious way until you're able to make sense of it and put it into yeah. its place. And one of the ways that I feel like they put this one into context is that they seem to be going in the direction that technology with emotion is better at analyzing data than technology without it. Bill, is that like, did I capture that like little piece of dialogue there? Did you catch that? Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, that, that may be where they're leading. Um, I, you know, so in, in addition to what's been said about how Zora was developed in this episode, you know, first of all, I think it's interesting that um, the ship as a character is hasn't been done previously in Star Trek, right? I mean, to mm. me, it seems like a pretty obvious thing to do. And how many Star Trek shows have there been? And they're yeah, kind of they, the closest we come is like the Doctor. Well, right? th- there was that right. that episode of um, I think they were at least talked about the possibility of it in uh, the Moriarty episode uh, of TNG. Uh, where they sort of use the example of like if the if the enterprise uh, refused a refit or or things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, a good point, actually. And but 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 yeah, it it hasn't been like delved in deeply. Yeah, yeah. So they hope I you know I hope they do it justice, uh, and I hope Zora turns out to be a cool character. I do think there's something um, so something I I don't know if this is me being pedantic or what, but something bothered me about the events of this episode. So, you know, Zora is basically like having a breakdown and it, it puts everyone at risk, right? Mm -hmm. Like Burnham has to kind of like coax Zora through just like doing her job. Right. Or like, Mm -hmm. like being a ship. Right. (laughs) And it's, you know, I mean, of course we know because it's Star Trek that it's going to turn out by the end of the episode and Burnham isn't actually going to die. But, but, you know, I, I think one could argue that that's like unacceptable, right? (laughs) Like if Burnham was like, man, we need to wipe the computer and like cut this, cut this out. Right. I mean, I think that would be really understandable because everyone almost died. Right. Because Zora had like a panic attack. If this episode was in Voyager, like that would have been something we probably would have talked about at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, Jamie just likes to wipe things clean. Well, no, but it, 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 yeah, I, I, I mean, there's there's that like jokey meme version of of uh, Janeway that is just like wants to murder people sense, <laughs> senselessly. But at the very like, there were several times where like the 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 doctor starts like uh, like sort of overstepping certain bounds or like getting to a place of like, is this it is still good for us? Like, we maybe we should be thinking about. Uh, if we need to like put some limitations here in order to sort of pre- preserve uh, the health and safety of the crew, isn't there? Isn't there an episode where the crew does like f- the the doctor starts malfunctioning, so the crew like retrofit him, and then he starts to develop retain ret- his memories start returning to him. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. that's um, oh man, it's the one with Ani Jatal, the the ensign who dies on the away mission. Who was supposed to have been Lindsay Ballard in Ashes to Ashes? What was it called? Um, something. Oh my God! I need to look this up. 
So there's, I used to be obsessed with Star Trek Voyager's lower decks characters. They're like bit part actors and they're bit part characters. So I used, to, I used to like know all of their names back in the day. So it's it's the Voyager episode latent image and Ani Jatal's <laughs> and, and Ensign who's on an away mission with the Void, uh, with the Doctor. She gets killed by a alien, I think for like quote unquote no reason. And then, then the Doctor comes back, he has trouble dealing with the death. So the, the crew changes program to have him like forget the memories or something like that that happens yeah. and then he slowly starts getting those memories back and it's really creepy um but uh and then of yeah, course yeah. In, in another episode they have an ensign that's brought back from the dead and it's not this one and it's like why couldn't she just bring back the car anyway yeah 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 <laughs> uh but anyway so so getting back to this so we have some templates in in star trek for similar explorations makes me kind of excited this seems really cool as an idea though mm -hmm. yeah and it, it's um i don't know i i i i like when star trek broaches this kind of subject with with ai because i i feel like it's a it's almost like the it's like the most realistic plot point than start that star trek can have because it, it seems like uh regardless of like where ai ends up uh mm -hmm. in the real world like it seems reasonable that we're going to have some some period where where a, a number of people start wondering like is this like is this something that we actually confer rights to or like do I feel okay during doing this type of thing uh to an AI uh we also i mean we had in first contact you know the the brief scene where uh data's like i am experiencing fear it is a most you know, interesting emotion. And Picard's like, maybe this is a good time for you to disable your emotion chip. <laughs> and like, I feel like that would have been the move for Zora. It's like, hey, Zora, very happy for you and your emotions and your empathy. But like right now, maybe let's dial it back. Um, yeah, it's, it's, Zora is in her generations phase uh, where <laughs> you cannot turn off the emotions. And uh, when it becomes convenient in season five, we'll... We'll get the ability to turn it off. <laughs> so we have a sentient being who's like watching and observing the entire crew, even in their most private moments now. Yeah, that's that's a good point. It's I a good thing Star Trek that. doesn't have any bathrooms because otherwise that would be a valid. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, they have bathrooms yeah. on lower decks. <laughs> right, right, yes, yes, they communal. do. Communal. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I I also hope that they explain why. Like, why Zora? Why out of all the ships, of all the computers, right? There should be some explanation or some well, reason this... why Zora is the one who becomes sentient at, Isn't at this Isn't it the sphere data? Isn't that why she's the one? Because oh, the sphere data got okay. kind of assimilated into the computer right, system. Right. And I yeah, feel that's like that's... at least that's, been my assumption. That's course, what's okay. causing this, yeah. So what you're saying is we're going to get another control episode. <laughs> Yeah, Zora is actually uh, an anagram for uh, control. <laughs> so, okay, just remind me again. Um, control didn't actually make the jump, right? Only the sphere data made the no, jump because the sphere data had to be taken away from control so control would give up because the sphere data was gone. Is that correct? Yes. Oh, yeah. I thought control... That's why the ship and not just Michael Burnham had to go... like. It wasn't like that's what she was leading the ship because the ship was the thing that needed to. Well, I think be sent into the future, right? Well, but so control was it was it that control got stuck inside of an Leland entire because Leland was like in the uh, in the spore cage and got turned into dust 
Right. And we saw that well, dust fall on someone's shoe, and we're like, "Oh my gosh, he's gonna reconstitute." Well, yeah, no, that, that like brief scene of the dust in the like yeah. near Detmer's face in the second episode of last season. Yeah, that's actually the when Zora was born. <laughs> it's the dust climbing into the ship. <laughs> that's and that that Greg guy like shoveling the sludge was actually Greg. a manifestation <clears throat> of Zora. So it was a very important scene that he showed up in. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, and and that's and we've never seen that character before because the character didn't exist. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> or again. Um, so okay, okay. We uh, we'll see where this goes. I'm I'm, but I think I think Bill just to to circle back again to your concern. I think the reason that they couldn't turn off Zora's emotions is that thing about because it's because of the emotions that Zora is able to sense this like interesting thing right um and if if zora didn't have emotions or sentience or whatever you want to call it um they would not have been able to get their way out of this void is that is that a correct reading of the situation did y'all catch that or was that just my interpolation well i think i mean i i don't know if they state it so explicitly but yeah i mean i mean or, or make the explicit trade-off that you're making right like well we won't Mm. delete zora because you know she performed well in detecting this particle or whatever but but i mean they do say that right that zora has the ability to to kind of pick out this particle or whatever it was right from all the sensory data because of her consciousness um yeah mm -hmm. there was like an ability to focus that uh it, like in the response to being overwhelmed that uh, enabled this because it like i guess it seemed like the the beginning of the episode they were trying to show like oh through standard scans and like diagnostics and whatnot we we cannot detect uh anything that's useful about the situation we're in and it was like only through the computer being alive and being the ship uh and having emotions that all of these things were sort of able to come together so yeah, again, very curious to see where this goes. Uh, I bet we are going to... They keep hinting at Calypso too many times for it not to, like, now... You know, they're, they, I, I feel like they're going to, like, uh, wave it in front of our faces again briefly before yanking it away, and then they'll hopefully by the end of the season we'll be given some explanation. Um, we'll the see yeah, last episode will be called This is the One with Calypso. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I'm so impressed with how much they've stuck to that. And was Calypso between seasons one and two of Discovery? Uh, it, was, it was between two and three. Or no, no, it, yeah, it was between yeah. one and two, I think, but because it, we didn't have any hint that there was going to be going to the future. Mm-hmm. So we right. had like this mystery, of, like, what the hell? Why is it a thousand years in the future? And right. so when it right. was starting to look that way towards the end of season two, we were like, oh, anyway, yeah, yeah that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it was it was in 2018. 8th, 8th November 2018 is when Calypso aired. So, yeah, um, we'll see how it goes. But um, get, getting to another little piece of this plot, um, we see that Burnham has to, you know, the ship's being eaten by itself, so everyone has to go into the pattern buffer, you know, great use of the, the Scotty technique, basically. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that scene where Zora sings the song was just it didn't make sense to me. I was like, this is I think that must I, Jonathan Frakes must be the reason that Blue Skies was in um 
Picard. You know, yeah. Well, also, but it would have been in. Uh, well, I guess Nemesis. He didn't direct Nemesis, yeah, didn't direct but it. but maybe I don't know. I was just like, hmm, this is feeling familiar. She just, she just brings a saxophone to, to, to the set, and he's like, "All right, y'all, who's ready for another song in an episode?" Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I you know, I I got what they were going for, but like, it, it's a very minor quibble. It's fine. It's just like a short scene. But like again, it's like Burnham, what are you doing? Hit your badge. Go in the pattern buffer. Like, let's. Come on, there's a way for you to survive this very easily. Yeah, I, I, I that that was uh, just like the ship was breaking down. That was a part of the episode that broke down a little bit. <laughs> um, I yeah, you know the whole hold hands going to the pattern buffer thing, kind of sweet. You know, some of the rare yeah. occasions where Discovery's emotions worked with me. Um, and 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 it was and I was very excited because I knew that this was when Calypso was going to happen, and <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. like Emily, and, Emily and I were just like looking at each other constantly during. We're like, <laughs> yeah, we're doing Calypso. This is great. No. <laughs> and as hokey as that old Detmer Saru scene was, like I still don't think people should be expo- ex- ex- giving us exposition in the midst of crises. Like, please, Discovery writer, stop doing this. Like, there are other times. Um, I did really a like that whole dynamic mm-hmm. and b i think it made me there was a moment in this episode where i'm like man it's great to have a second captain on the ship where saru shuts down Owo, i was just like burnham is so fortunate to have such an experienced officer right there so she can take care of some big big problems while this other guy is also like handling the crew with a lot of poise and like you know leadership well, and and he was he was incredible in that discussion with uh with book also during the episode where he he sort of reveals like like I feel a lot of rage because I'm yeah. having to sit across from the people who uh sort of like harvested uh my parents and like uh, like dozens of people that I personally knew and also just for probably for centuries that that was happening and um I I just I, I thought it was a really uh. A, a great example of um, sort of Star Trek trying to give us a path of like uh, out of the horrors of like uh, what can happen in real life and like how how can we get to that sort of Star Trek future like what what is different about people in uh, in the Federation or whatever than uh, how we might naturally respond right now. It's more realistic too, right? Like, I mean, it's it's not you you can't expect someone's Exeter to get over it right away. Like, okay, the, these guys are good yeah, now. Yeah. It's all good. It, it's yeah, I, I'm glad you called that out. I also really appreciate it. I was kind of like, not quite hand on face, but I was like, wow, they went there. Um, I yeah. also enjoy uh, just another one of the, they went there or they're going to go there. We now know that the anomaly came from the barrier at the edge of the galaxy. Or it came yeah. through it. I, I was a little <clears throat> bit mad. Yeah. Came through it. Yeah, yeah so I, I was... I was wondering since this thing was uh, like it, it has some sort of connections to maybe like primordial wormholes, or at least we know that there's wormholes involved in it. Uh, I had sort of the thought of like, could this be something that's related to travel? And if it's from outside the galaxy, like I, I wonder if this is uh, like someone from Andromeda or something trying to enter the Milky Way. But uh, the only way through the through the barrier is uh, something like terribly destructive, like the. Uh, what the DMA is seeming to be. Yeah, it's it's gonna be very interesting to see what the like 
conclusion to this? Is it going to be like, you know, fluid aliens from a different galaxy? Like, are we going to... Oh, yeah. Is, yeah. is this going to end with Discovery getting punted off into like the, you know, the alpha quadrant of another galaxy? Like, is this or is it going to be a spinoff of some sort? Like, there's yeah, a we, lot we can of re- like... reboot the series again. <laughs> Season five is we're both in the future and we're in a different galaxy now. <laughs> but so, do you, um, do you guys yeah. think that so when they you know we're kind of marching towards the reveal of who is behind the DMA, right? Mm-hmm. Do you guys think that it will be a species we are familiar with or somebody totally new? Well, I originally thought it was going to be a species that we were perhaps familiar with, but now I don't know. Yeah, I, um, it's, it, I, yeah, I, I guess it's, it's interesting. Cause I, I mean, I, I still, I really, uh, I'm pretty sure that it is not the conspiracy parasites now, but I, I, I do really like that storyline. And, um, so I, I think I would be okay with it being some, some big throwback, but they, they have kind of explicitly called out that there's like several big throwback uh, species that it could be. Uh, and so they've sort of systematically ruled them out, which makes me think that maybe we are just going to um, say that, that this species 10C uh, really is um, nothing we've encountered before. Yeah. Is it is it the Voyager probe, the other Voyager probe that has now gone yeah. like 900 <laughs> years past into like a different galaxy and there was, uh, it was just basically a, a redux of... The motion picture. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of callbacks, there's an Enterprise in this um, iteration of Star Trek. So now we're going to have, you know, Star Trek, the next, 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 next generation. Star Trek, the final generation. The burn happens again. This time everyone dies. We take a hard right. Going back to Stormy, huh? Uh, anyway. <laughs> oh. Uh, that wasn't well, recorded at the beginning. <laughs> right. Did get recorded at the beginning. Any any, uh, any final thoughts about this episode before we move on to ratings? Any other things that you all have uh, come up with that we haven't talked about yet? There's one, um, other, there's one other thing, actually. Bill, you go first. I was just going to say that, you know, they have that heartwarming, I think it's the final scene where Zora shows Burnham her family tree that she made. And of course, all the leaves on that family tree are bridge crew. (laughs) She's like, oh, I love, I love everybody in the crew. They're all my family, but most of all the bridge crew. (laughs) Poor Cortez got spaced before the tree got made. And so then... (laughs) <laughs> I I did I did at least appreciate that uh there was sort of that like Burnham would you like it if I made my own tree and I right before it happened I said like the ship's going to do it instantaneously and yes the ship made it extremely quickly <laughs> like I would have been yep, it would have been really me. dumb of like okay I will let you know in uh several weeks uh I will reveal my tree <laughs> Nope right then <laughs> The um the the other thing that we should quickly mention is that the there's gonna be a hiatus. We didn't know that there was, but now there's gonna be a hiatus uh, between the second part and the first part of season this season of Discovery. Um, the series will end in four days or for a mid-season hiatus on December thirtieth and return on February tenth. No idea what's gonna come in between that. Uh, oh. Presumably, Prodigy, I bet. 
right? Uh, there's there's going to be Prodigy in there somewhere. Um, it's kind of strange it to me. It seems weird that they're to doing us this. to just like not even know. Yeah, this yeah. this uh, at this stage. But yeah, yeah. Um, so it looks like episode six of Star Trek Prodigy is actually going to be on the sixth of January. And it ends on the 3rd of February. So, yeah, the very next week, Discovery comes okay. back. So they're kind of uh, splitting them up like this. I don't, I don't, I wonder if it's to, like, keep people's subscriptions to, like, Paramount Plus or whatever going. But uh, uh, not 100% sure how that's, how that's all going to work out. Well, I but... like Prodigy, so that'll be nice. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, me too. I, there have when I've, when I've been a little disappointed in episodes, I'm like, well, I bet, like, I just need Prodigy to come back around and, uh, but now, now I've had, there've been several fabulous episodes of discovery. So now, now I'll be torn as to like, I don't know which one I want to come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, let's, let's do strange new ratings. Who wants to stick their necks out and give stormy weather a rating? You know what? I'll go first. I'll go first. Um, this is a nine out of ten for me, and I never expected to give a Discovery episode that high a rating. I I still do reserve my tens for like the very tippy top, like the perfect episode that like just is wonderful. So, but the, you know what? Nine point five. Nine point five out of ten. Yeah, yeah. I talk myself Ooh, up. <laughs> He's yeah. talking oh. himself up. <laughs> still, yeah. still not quite a Mugato Gumato, but you know. No, no, no. I mean, the, you know, that's that's special. That's special. Um, I I uh, I don't know that I need to go into it super deep. I, I think that this one's yeah, solid episode. So uh, nine out of ten for for me as well. It's just that that like little bit in the end where I don't I don't understand why the captain had to burn up with the ship. I I know that the captain goes down with the ship, but <laughs> the ship was going to be fine, and we were going to like retransport everyone back. So it just felt a little strange. I'll do, uh, oh yeah, I agree with you all. 4.5 out of 5 for me. Um, it was just, it was a good episode. It was also fun watching it with people that I don't normally watch it with all at the same time. So oh, yeah, yeah. it was Adam and his spouse and my mom, or our mom. It's not just my mom. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so we were all watching it together. So it's just fun to hear other people's reactions. And that also, I think, heightened the enjoyment of the episode as well. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Jenny gets just super into uh, uh, tense scenes and whatnot. Yeah, so I, it's I, fun. Everyone's enjoying the, <laughs> the gasps and whatnot. Nice. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to be a little bit contrary in here, I guess. I, oh. You know, I think it was solid. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. I, I wasn't, you know completely floored by it i thought it was good man no i'm just kidding i completely <laughs> understand i've been there i i was the one who was getting looks from adam the other day so <laughs> uh well as always uh it's wonderful to come over here discuss our different star trek opinions and uh and i i i'm glad discovery is is in my opinion, improving because it's it's made me even more excited to come and discuss this. So thank you, Adam. Thank you, Emily. And thank you, Bill, for being here today. Thank thanks, you, Notch. Thanks, Notch. Of course. Thanks, Rudy. Thanks, Dinah. Thanks, Max. We will see you for our weekly Star Trek pen and paper RPG night on Thursday. Uh, yes, dear listener, we're doing it. We're turbo nerds. It's a lot of fun. You should too. Um, and thank you for being here, dear listener, for sticking around with us as we talk about Star Trek Discovery uh, and, and go into 
bravely go into a new year. This is, I think, going to be our last episode before uh, 2022. So, hooray for that. Happy New Year, dear listener. And thanks to Shugua for recording our theme music. We always appreciate you strumming away at the guitar on the Klingon theme. And then special thanks to The Void, you know? Sometimes it takes a lot of nothing to bring us all together as friends and give nine ratings. Uh, So special (laughs) thanks to The Void. All right, goodbye, everyone. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.